You're listening to COSAM Talks, the monthly podcast for Auburn University's College of Sciences and Mathematics. Today we are speaking with Matt Wallach from the Department of Biological Sciences. He is an Auburn biologist that received a prestigious NSF Career Award for more than $1.2 million for testing evolutionary biology theory. Welcome, Matt, to COSAM Talks. Thank you. It's great to be able to talk with you. Before we talk about your research, we would love to know more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I I grew up in Central Virginia and went to the College of William & Mary for undergraduate. There I double majored in biology and environmental studies, while also running for the cross-country and track and field teams all all the years that I was there. It was at William & Mary that I got my first introduction to research by completing an honors thesis on the causes of size and age differences within and between populations of turtles. I was so hooked on research that I wanted to enter a graduate program to earn a PhD before making a career as a scientist. I wanted to experience a new part of the country after growing up in Virginia and going to college there, so I only applied to graduate schools exclusively on the West Coast. And I ended up going to the University of California at Riverside, where I studied the evolutionary genetics of size differences between the sexes. This was where I learned quantitative genetics and got my first real start tackling questions in evolutionary theory. I then decided I wanted to apply my quantitative genetic skills to long-term ecological data sets from wild populations, and I was fortunate enough to get a postdoc position at the University of Aberdeen in Northeast Scotland. I spent four years there, did a lot of great science, and thoroughly enjoyed myself living abroad in Scotland. There, my wife and I also started our family, and our two sons were actually born in Scotland. After that, I applied for faculty positions back in the U.S. to come back home and was fortunate enough to get hired here at Auburn and started in August of 2017. Wow, what was it like to move all the way from Scotland to the Plains? It was exciting, and and it, it definitely felt like coming home in a way, even though we had never lived in Alabama before. Um, and and it was a little bit of a shock too. So where we lived in in northeast Scotland, we were right on the the coast of the North Sea, and summer's very mild. In fact, they they put up public service announcements at bus stations around town during the summer to warn people of the risk of hypothermia for going swimming at the beach in the summertime. So it was quite shocking then coming in August when we moved to come to a place with high heat and humidity and right in the thick of it. But my wife and I were used to that from growing up in Virginia and Florida, Uh, but our our two young kids were just melting constantly. Now you received a very competitive NSF career award to study mathematical equations on how natural selection works. Can you tell us more about your research? Yeah, the research supported by this award is going to enable my group to conduct experiments that test a very old hypothesis in evolutionary biology. Yet, this is a hypothesis that very few people have studied with experiments. So what I'm talking about is a hypothesis that stems from Charles Darwin's foundational work explaining how natural selection is the mechanism of adaptive evolution. In the 1930s, theoreticians identified individual fitness, or the survival and reproductive success for each each individual in a population, as the quantity that natural selection maximizes. They incorporated this idea into mathematical equations that proposed a hypothesis for how natural selection acts on genetic variability in a population to increase or evolve the average fitness of that population. 
Since then, scientists have debated and refined the theory and the exact predictions that are drawn from it. This particular theory has a long history of debate, almost to the point where we as a field forgot to step back from working out the theory and focus on testing it with actual organisms. However, what all the work by the mathematicians and theoretical biologists has accomplished is to now put us in a position where we have a very mature set of hypotheses from which to make specific predictions. So what I've been awarded the career to do, in part, is test those predictions using a convenient organism that we can rear and track in the lab, which are the seed beetles that, that I use in my lab. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how you'll be using that convenient organism, the seed beetles, to create populations that you're going to study? Yeah, so part of the reason why few scientists have been able to test this particular bit of evolutionary theory is that it requires tracking all the individuals in a population to obtain full lifetime measures of how successful each individual was at surviving and reproducing, or measuring their Darwinian fitness, or just fitness as, as we talk about it in my lab. Additionally, you have to separate out an individual's genetic and environmental causes of their particular fitness. So the, the nature versus nurture influences on fitness. So what I learned when I was working in Aberdeen on my postdoc studying natural organisms is that this is extremely hard to do in the wild. And so that's why I proposed using seed beetles, which I can replicate in a lab environment and keep really good watch on, as well as I can create dozens of populations or, or more to study and replicate in, in really large numbers. What information will you be seeking to track and follow with these beetle populations? The main approach to this, this uh, way of studying evolutionary biology is, is keeping track of pedigrees or every individual's family history. We do this in the lab with beetles by setting up specific breeding designs where we choose which beetles we'll mate. From these pedigrees, then, we can track the combined action of lots and lots of genes for causing heritable differences in fitness, or any other trait for that matter. The differences among individuals in their genetic effects on fitness, or the total genetic variability for fitness, is the key quantity to measure, to use in the theory, and for testing our predictions. That sounds so fascinating. Now, how will this research provide insight to evolutionary biology theory? The significance of this theory for the way fitness evolves predicts how populations are going to adapt in the future. So what it is really exciting is that this theory is going to enable us to make quantitative predictions so we can actually put a specific number about how populations are going to adapt and persist in the future. So we can say how big the population will grow or how it might shrink. This field is really unique in that we can forecast or make predictions about future evolutionary change, which is quite different and, and it's a more powerful approach than trying to quantitatively describe what has already happened. I'm hoping this research project will shift the way that we think about population adaptation and provide lessons to help us refine the theory further to make better predictions about how populations are going to change in the future. As part of this NSF Career Award, you will be conducting outreach activities. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're going to provide opportunities for teachers to get hands-on experience in your lab? Yes, the, the really exciting part of this award is that I got to spend a lot of time planning and proposing ways for other people outside of Auburn University to get involved with the project, learn to work as a scientist, and get hands-on experience with the research techniques that we use in the lab. So I'll be recruiting high school students and teachers to come work in my lab on this project 
for each summer over the next five years. Hopefully these funded positions will not only teach others about the research we are working on, in particular more about evolution by natural selection, but also to inspire them and equip them with what they need to do more hypothesis-driven research in the future. That might either be through teachers creating experiential learning activities for their own classes or through science fair projects for the students. Thank you so much for sharing your insight about your research, Matt. We appreciate your time. And thank you so much for being part of this episode of COSAM Talks. To read more about Matt's award, visit AUB period IE forward slash W-O-L-A-K, or check out the hashtag CoSamTalks on, on social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you.